Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 11, 7 through 15. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and violent people take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John came, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. Let anyone with ears listen. Uh, this is, uh, we talked about John the Baptist last week, about John the Baptist actually kind of questioning uh, whether or not Jesus was the one that he was called to call. And Jesus answers it very, very well by looking at the things that he's done, not, not the big miracle things, but just the, 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 the wonderful things that he's done about uh, invitation and things like that. And Jesus um, makes sure that he, he understands that, that this question has been asked in front of people, and he makes sure that he stands up for John the Baptist and, and acknowledges that this question is a worthwhile question, but he also wants to acknowledge that John is actually has been doing what he was called to do. John was called to announce the coming of something big and brand new. That was his job. And Jesus is saying that uh, John is a, by, by saying this, he's a prophet. He's a person that is, is letting people know that this thing is happening. And what he wants people to understand is that John's uh, duty now is, is coming to an end. Because that new thing is here now. And boy, did that upset a lot of people. Jesus is about upsetting people. I, everyone that thinks, you know, we always see these things, we're Christians and all this kind of stuff, and we're, we, we're supposed to be just so happy and go lucky and all this kind of stuff. It's hard to be a Christian sometimes. It's really, really hard. You have to like people. That's, I mean, isn't that, I mean, I have aspired most of my life to grow up to be one of the grumpiest old men that I can, and now I can't do that because of Jesus. Jesus. But that's what it's all about. It's about uh, this new thing, and, and people didn't like it. Sometimes we use terms in our world, and we hear a lot of terms. When it comes to Christianity today, we hear things like uh, conservative. We hear things like progressive. Believe it or not, I've been called both. Uh, and I don't, I don't know labels or anything like that, but I was telling you, I've also been called the spawn of Satan. Um, I've been called short, which is really out of line, but um, because Jesus was five, you know, the average Jew is about five, six. I know I've said that before, but I'm going to keep on saying it as long as I possibly can. Uh, this, if you want it, this is the height of, you know, your savior. So uh, <laughs> take that, tall people. Uh, <laughs> but the thing that Jesus was telling people is that something new was happening. This whole thing about love and inclusion and kindness, this whole thing about uh, Jesus' uh, the Lord's presence on earth was something that people had heard about, uh, that it was coming. They even heard it from John. But Jesus was saying it was here. 
And this was a pivotal moment in this, in this ministry, in the book of Matthew. This is a pivotal moment of Jesus really saying, it has begun. It is here now. John has proclaimed it. I am what John has been proclaiming this entire time. And you're going to start to see in the book that a lot of people are going to be uneasy about this. And the things that make people really uneasy are really things that people uh, are, are made to feel uneasy about today. Jesus is opening doors. He is allowing other people that have never been uh, allowed to be in the presence of religious people. He is actually meeting face to face where religious authority has said, you know, this, uh, I don't go over there and I don't go over here. And it's about uh, my prestige and my power and stuff. Jesus is actually saying, I am God on earth and I am willing to take the people with the, the, uh, the skin disease and all that stuff that you kick outside of the community, I'm willing to actually touch them, which was something that nobody did. And so what he was doing in that time, now I don't want to offend anyone here with, with labels or anything, but what he was doing was called progressive at that time. It was called a movement that was moving things forward. And so we sometimes, I think we use different terms and labels and stuff. And I'm really not about the labels. I'm really not about that. But I want us to understand that what Jesus was doing was scaring people at that time. Anytime that somebody brings something new, even if it's a good thing, makes people uneasy and they resist it. But enough of that. I want to talk about chairs. <laughs> Actually, before I talk about chairs, I want to talk about uh, cushions. Now, I don't want to go scientific here on you, but the cushion was invented. Uh, there's actually proof of this. Uh, it was invented in 7000 BC. <laughs> by, uh, this is an actual painting here of uh, Troban the, the Raka. And he invented, I know, I hear you laughing. Uh, I resent your laughter because this is science. And you probably are asking, where's the proof? Well, there's the proof right there. The cushions are right there. <laughs> he invented the cushion about 7,000 BC. Before that, people just did this. They just stood and they just said, this has really got to stop. I'm really uncomfortable. And like horses, they even slept like this sometimes because they were confused and they didn't know what was going on. And that's why, you know, in most of the uh, old paintings and stuff, you see them fighting and stuff because they... They, instead of sitting on them, they thought with them. And so it was hard to... And when the cushion came, people were really excited. Nobody was more excited than, than Troban uh, because he had a, a, a viable business. Um, he was the first person to um, actually uh, put up a yogurt stand, but that didn't go anywhere because nobody had anywhere to sit. So he created the cushion. And uh, I don't know why you're laughing. This is, uh, this is really serious stuff. But uh, he thought that the world, I mean, that's what the job was, was to invent the cushion, and it was going to end there. And he was very happy about it. The people that were cushion people were extremely happy because that's what it was. You did not sit on a thing. You, you put a cushion down, and you, you sat uh, here like this, you know, and that was what they were happy with. Imagine if we were in church like this. People would really think we were a bunch of hippies then, wouldn't they? <laughs> but then, in 3100 BC, uh, Tabor, the, the recline, 
he came along and he invented for the very first time the chair. Four legs and a place for your tukus. And he sat down and people thought this was a marvel in technology. I mean, Steve Jobs had nothing on this. You know, he invented the apple, but uh, he invented the chair. And again, I know you're saying, that. where's the proof? Well, there it is. That's the chair right there. It's four legs uh, right there. And they even, uh, this became so famous, they even made a statue of him in Greece uh, right there. And again, there's the chair right there. So if you want the proof, that's what it is. But the pillow people really were afraid of the chair people because it was something new. It was something different. It was something that they weren't used to. It caused them to get upset about it. We have been cushions all our lives and we're going to stay cushions. It's pillows for me and my family and nothing but. Where the chair people said, speaking of nothing but, this right here is actually a good thing. It's moving us forward. We can sit on this and you can relax. Look, you can even lean back. You can look quizzical. You can look like a thinker. You can sit any way you want, cross-legged, whatever. But they didn't like that. And so the chair people always fought with the pillow people. They couldn't get along because it was their way and it was their way. One was called progressive, one was called traditionalist. And they hated each other because this wasn't our way of thinking and this was our way of thinking. The problem was is some of the traditionalist families, they had people, the kids and stuff that were saying, actually, I want to try that chair. And they'd say, don't try that chair. Sit on the ground like a human being. And the <laughs> chair people were saying, well, you know, I kind of, I missed the cushion. And they were saying, don't go over to that side because once you go over to that side, then we don't have this and all this kind of stuff. And what, were, what are we going to do with the dining room set? And then one day, somebody came around and said, you know what? You can take a cushion and you can put it on a chair and you can both be right. You can actually work together and make that happen. Because the people that had been sitting on chairs, they were suffering from numbutt. That's technical. And the people that were sitting on the cushions, well, they couldn't see anything because they were so low. And then somebody said, why don't we put them together? The cushion has served its purpose for many, many years. It gave us a thought. It gave us a, a way of thinking about things. It gave us a direction. We're not saying that the invention of the chair throws away the cushion. We're saying that the cushion has served its purpose and now, welcome, it's part of the chair. Don't you wish your chairs right now had cushions? Yeah, you kind of miss them, don't you? Yeah, numb butts all over the place here. <laughs> but like our people today, we have conservatives, traditionalists, whatever you want to call it, progressives, liberals, whatever you want to call it. And we're fighting back and forth, and we are going back and forth. And we have laws being passed on just one side just because that's the side that we're supposed to. Because the pillow people say this, and the cushion people say this. Oh, I'm sorry, the cushion people say this, and the pillow people say this. 
Imagine what our world would be like if we didn't fear them. Imagine what our world would be like if the pillow people did not fear the chair people. And the chair people did not fear the pillow people. Imagine what would happen there. Imagine if we saw, as we do in history, the cushion as a precursor to the chair, a way of moving us forward, but that doesn't negate the cushion. Those dates that I gave you of the, when they were invented, uh, truthfully, that's what uh, the first record of the cushion and the chair, that, that really does go back that time. So the cushion did come before the chair. And you don't see people going online and saying, I only friend cushion people. You don't see people saying, why can't we bring things back? There you go. <laughs> there you are. Thanks for getting one for all of us. <laughs> you were the one with candy in school, weren't you? Ah, mine. But imagine truthfully, if we didn't fear the things that progressed us forward, like the 2,000 years ago that people were fearing with Jesus, that we didn't see it as so much of a threat or that it was negating something else. Believe it or not, there were followers of John the Baptist at that time that were continually questioning the disciples of Jesus because it was, they were doing something new and different. And it wasn't until those faithful people got together and worked out their differences and learned to get along and actually saw the big picture. And that big picture was that the church was growing, that the kingdom of God was being announced, that God was in the presence of them right then and there. Imagine if they could see that. I've said this a couple weeks ago, the, the one commandment that Jesus gave more than any commandment was do not be afraid. Our, our faith in Christ is not supposed to be something that makes us hate other people or puts us to war or fear other people. It is something where we're supposed to take things from the past and we're supposed to blend them with the future and we're supposed to relax. Because loving people actually can be enjoyable. Welcoming people for who they are can really be a wonderful thing. That's what I believe Christ is truly all about. He warned his disciples that some people are going to have a real problem with this. Just as the chairmaker said, watch out for those cushion people. I don't even want to talk about the invention of the couch. <laughs> I believe that started the First World War, but I'm not quite sure. But the, um, the way that our world is right now is so divisive and so headed. In this church, this wonderful church of ours, we have uh, people of differing views. We have people that uh, lean more, I guess, if you would say left. We have people that lean more, I guess, right. But we come together. We take the cushion and we put it on the chair, and somehow we make this work. And some of us, we're still learning to do that. 
you know, I'm, 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 uh, I'm over 40, uh, and so that means I'm already stubborn in some ways, and there are times when I uh, have to myself remind myself what it means to be Christ-like, what it means to welcome people, what it means to be uh, hospi- hospitable, what it means to accept other people's differences, what it means to love people as they are, what it means to know that every single one of us is a growing person, meaning every single one of us, uh, if we can love them where we are, we can expand and celebrate as we all evolve and grow into something even better than what we were yesterday. That's why we're here. But we don't do that by fighting. We don't do that by making other people feel small. We do that by sitting on this wonderful thing called a chair, hopefully with a cushion, and having conversations with one another. And this is 2,000 years ago what was about to start with Jesus. He didn't make grandiose uh, statements. He didn't go online. So much of his ministry was actually sitting and talking with people that the world saw as different. I pray we can do the same. We don't have to fear it. We can actually celebrate it. The next time you take a seat, I hope you think about love and who's sitting across from you, whoever that person may be. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may we see you as somebody that is not divisive but welcoming. May we see the church in the same way. May we not try to define somebody by a mere label. May we understand that every one of us is far deeper than that. Deep enough that if we look hard enough, we can find some commonality and work toward a better future for all people. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Every single person here is loved by Jesus Christ. Every single person out there is loved by Jesus Christ. I hope that today that gives you comfort, knowing that just how imperfect you are, you are wonderful and beautiful in the eyes of God. And I hope that gives us encouragement to know that the same goes for everyone we run into. May we love each other.